Okay, Kate, I have a question prepared for you. Uh-huh. That is related to this episode. Okay. What is your sorry to put you on the spot like this. I hope this isn't too personal of a question. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite of the dances from the 50s and 60s? That era of dancing. Is there one dance that really springs, you know, stands out to you? <laughs> I'm gonna say the pony. An excellent choice. The pony is so good. <laughs> and you know what? It you can still do it in like not even modified versions, and it looks like fine. You don't look dated or anything. Like pony holds up. You know, I'm gonna really support that. Support support you saying that. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I think the pony looks very silly in a modern context, personally. Well, it's but slightly modified, it. depending on how you're moving your arms. The yeah, pony's what you're still doing. Yeah, totally. The pony is like a. Now I have to describe a dance to listeners uh, over audio. That's difficult. Sort of like a little trot back and forth with the arms going up and down. It's and, like a, uh, it's popularized a step and by tap. the chubby. Yeah, it's a step and tap. No, but there's a jump involved. You jump back and forth with it. You don't just step and tap. You jump. Okay, back it's and like forth. a hop and tap. Though. Yeah, it's a yeah. hop and tap. Yeah, it's a hop. But it's and not tap. like a jump. Well, yeah, it's not like a like some sort of like track and field thing. Yeah, but I think it's like <laughs> calling it any type of jump makes it sound like it's more of a like form dance. Like I feel like there's dances from the fifties that we think of that are like like uh I forget what they call them on the show, but like the roach or whatever in hairspray too, where it's like yeah. everyone kind of knew a lot of steps. Yeah, this is like you don't really have to. People do it all the time and don't even know. Yeah, it's the funny. roach is like, the just... roach is multiple steps or like yeah a call out line dance like in hairspray they do the Madison which is like a whole series of steps you know yeah 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 or like the Rockefeller skank and she's all that totally totally uh I'm trying to think of other really good big pop culture examples of watching someone do like a called out yes. line dance. Oh, I guess called out line dance. There's sort of yeah. an interesting, very ominous scene in, in uh, um, Thelma and Louise, where they're mm -hmm. in a bar where they're all line dancing. But there's sort of an alien quality to it, which I think is very intentional because it's I, a threatening environment for them. Country as western line dancing is still very popular. Very much so. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think the pony's a good choice. I would have chosen the pony if I were to to have been asked. Okay, it's certainly my favorite to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean now i need to think of like i'm trying to think of a secondary one that i really like uh out of all those dances and certainly all the dances from hairspray like yeah. like the roach is great um uh there's another one called the bug <laughs> a lot of bug themed dances in that movie yeah really really fun and then you know love the mashed potato oh you know which one i'm gonna shout out it's mm -hmm. amazing that mm -hmm. is done in the absolute singular classic Troop Beverly Hills starring mm -hmm. Shelley Long, the Freddy. Okay. You, do you know the Freddy? I might know it by not that name. The Freddy is basically a dance where you put your arms up uh, beside your face and sort of move back and forth and jut your legs out 
back and forth, almost like you're a giant star while you do it. It's a pretty good dance. Yeah, I wouldn't have a name for that, but like I can fully picture them doing that, like on Dancing with the Stars. Like it's definitely still a thing, and they yeah. may call it Freddy, but like I don't know what they yeah. call it. Well, that's what it's called. It definitely in like a jive or a, not a quick step, but it would be in a jive. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And that being said, roll the theme song. another XOXO Riverdale. Riverdale. I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. This is your favorite Riverdale fan recap podcast that is still going strong, giving our own spin (laughs) on these wild final season episodes of, uh, of the television program Riverdale. We're covering chapter 124, Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode, but before we do that, any important uh, Riverdale fan news that we gotta cover? Um, I know you said you had some cast news. Do you want to talk about that first? Yes, thrilling. Everybody, put down whatever you're doing and perk up your ears because I just learned through Instagram that Vanessa Morgan has her own swimsuit line. So go get one of her nice swimsuits for the summer, Vanessa Morgan. But in all honesty, the swimsuits are totally cool looking, very cute, almost a little classic. They actually, they're, I think some of them are, are tied swimsuits, so they look a little kind of 60s to me. Yeah, I'm bringing up an article right now. 31 pieces, monocony two-piece, maxi dresses more. Well, nope. Oh, I see. It's just like a very wide range. I, none of them look really 60s to me from what I'm seeing here, but it's one pieces, two pieces, mix and match covers. Yes. Mix and match. Mix and match your tops and bottoms. Mm-hmm, that's that's what game. I like to do on a Friday night out at the gay bar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> can a can a podcast get canceled mid episode? <laughs> I think if they could, it would. We would have found out by now. Yeah, we would have around like season four or five, perhaps. Uh, I mean, at the latest. Mm-hmm. At the very latest, absolutely. So I think that's it for our fan news. Yes. So we want to thank a listener who wrote to us with a really interesting point. Her name is Lindsay. Thanks for writing to us, Lindsay. She reached out to us through Instagram. Great moment. Little call to action for our our listeners. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to engage with us or if you have any points that you think that we're not addressing, we're more than happy to chat with you and talk with it on the podcast and we're really happy that Lindsay did actually Lindsay was talking a little bit about the homophobia specifically in this season and the way that it's sort of popping up in the scripts and how something she really appreciates, which I I do agree with. I think it's pretty cool is how 
the homophobia sort of seems to come out of nowhere and from characters that maybe you wouldn't expect them to be homophobic. Uh, and that mirrors uh, was something that we were chatting about and we were talking back and forth about it. it. It mirrors the experience of a lot of people that have to deal with this sort of bullshit even now. Uh, and it is, it's, it's pretty well, if you, if you look at it through that lens, it's, it's a pretty well-written element to this season. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're into it here. And, and thanks, thanks Lindsay for bringing that up. We, we do think it's really interesting and that also like, you know, something she says here, I'm just sort of looking over our conversation, but like people have to fabricate reasons to be homophobic because homophobia is illogical. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're really just hanging out with a queer person on a day-to-day basis, there's nothing about their sexuality that is a threat. So you do have to make up something, you know, we can have uh, Tony on our team because she's a, you know, quote unquote, a lezzy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, Julian Blossom saying, oh, well, we couldn't have uh, what, you know, just what this team needs, just what this basketball team needs. Uh, a cream puff is the term he used. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, why can't Kevin play basketball? Um, it reminds me of a situation that happened to me um, when I was in college where I was in a play. This was in my first year of college and I was out of the closet in college, like starting from the very beginning, but there were several other members of the cast who were just like gayer acting than me. And some of the straight members of the cast were like, well, we don't feel comfortable changing with them because they're going to look at us. So they gave the gay cast members and the straight cast members different dressing rooms. But I was in the dressing room with the straight people because they didn't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Stupid dumb idiots. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Totally. Anyway, but, you know, very similar. Like, you know... There, I'm sure there's some other in the closet member of that basketball team that isn't attracting Julian's ire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a side note. I briefly mentioned it, but Ted Lasso this week brought up uh, homophobia in sports. And like, a, I mean, Ted Lasso does everything like very well and thought through. Yeah, in a very after-school specially kind of way. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> they have... What did they do? Spoil it, come on. This Spoil isn't a Ted it. Lasso okay. podcast. Great. So um, <laughs> two seasons ago, one character said one thing about Grinder, and everyone was like, what? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's, that guy's been my favorite for like several seasons. He's never had a big storyline. He just always says the funniest shit. And he has like one line every three episodes. And then this season opens up. And we, as a viewer, find out that he is gay and he hasn't told his teammates. And then the Trent Krim, who was a reporter in the first two seasons, is now writing a book about the scene. And he sees Colin with a man. And I know people that were worried that Trent was going to out him. I never felt Trent would. Um, <laughs> Brag, I didn't think Trent Krim would out this. Yeah, okay. he wouldn't out that. Yeah, that's no, and he did. And it turns Trent. out because Trent's a good guy. Everybody, good on, guy. everybody on Ted Lasso's nice. Yes. And also, and then it turned out Trent himself is gay and he like came out Not to Colin a and was like, rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then 
Colin kind of that hat, honey. (laughs) Colin gets accidentally outed to um, Isaac, one of his teammates, when they're all they're all like deleting pictures of exes on their phones, and then at that point, Isaac like stops speaking to Colin, and like is mean to him. Mm. And Colin's like very upset by it, and then they're in a game, and someone in the audience calls Colin or just says calls anyone the f word but uh-huh. the sound like cut off in a way where you're like i think that's what he said i sh- don't know yeah. isaac goes beat the guys up gets red carded they go in the locker room they never say the word but they discuss it it was the f word and like not that f word with a great like jamie tart manchester fluke yeah. but, <laughs> but um her scouse he's not manchester but because um, <laughs> it really matters in this story no, I'm loving that. The detail is what Great, makes, thank it, you so much. makes me able to see it in my head. Great. And our so listeners, then, too. Yes. Yeah. Isaac's pissed about it. He storms off. And then, like, the rest of the team thinks that Isaac's upset because he's gay. And then Colin comes out. And simultaneously, the two conversations are Colin comes out and everyone's like, it's fine. Like, we don't care. And, like, Ted comes in with, like, no, we do care. And, like, how it's because when they said they don't care, I was like, hey, you do care. And then Ted's like, no, we do care. Um, but in a way that, you know, it's important to care about your friends. And he didn't like that Colin felt like he was going through that alone. And it's, you don't. That, that yeah. is something the show does really well. Yeah. Is uh, this is something that is um, progressive about Ted Lasso that I think a lot of other media could learn from is it's like, it's celebratory of differences. Mm-hmm. And I think that acknowledging someone is different from you isn't necessarily a negative thing as long as mm-hmm. you're open and celebratory and able to learn from them. Yeah. You know, that, that's what I think is actually a major issue with like the entire idea in the United States of melting pots mm-hmm. that we're all sort of supposed to become homogenized. It's like, no, like, it's okay to retain your culture once you move here. Yeah. And it's okay to share it with other people and learn from other people's cultures. And that's one of the things that makes the United States so wonderful. And yeah. it's great to have a gay person on the team because it's actually a different perspective. Which yeah. is actually really helpful for, for a team of different people trying to accomplish a goal. Yeah, so Ted explains why, like, it's important to care. And then Isaac's talking to Roy Kent about how, like, it was never exactly about that word and like what it comes down to is Isaac was upset that Colin wasn't comfortable, but then like he has a talk with Colin about why Colin wasn't comfortable and Colin explains that I never thought that anyone was going to be upset or mad. It's just, there's that 1% chance they will be. Yep. And he can go through with it. So yeah. And everything's good, but it felt like a lot of what was going on in Riverdale, but in a definitely a 2023 way, as opposed to a, 1955 way yes yeah like i think that's a good segue for us to chat about this now how first of all if i were to give an award for most improved character uh-huh. <laughs> this season it would be archie oh absolutely i could like, not believe this episode <laughs> i well the whole se- season it's so great because we get to see kj appa play like a Archie that wants to be helpful and 
is loyal to his friends. Like, this is a very on-model Archie from the comic it's books very, here. <laughs> it's a very naive March Archie. But Archie is naive in the yeah. comics. But, like, that's that can lead to a lot of, in this case, soap opera-y touching situations, which is mm -hmm. great, yeah. into it. And it can also lead to a lot of goofy comedy situations, mm -hmm. right? That's what makes the character versatile. Yeah. Not him, like, posting scary shirtless videos that he's going to beat up the criminals of of Riverdale. <laughs> like, this is so much better for him. And, like, I am of the, I'm of the opinion that we could have had this Archie all along. Mm -hmm. And that would have been really interesting to see someone who's a little more naive have to move through a lot of the difficulties these characters have faced mm -hmm. and where are his strengths and where are his weaknesses like a black hood season with an archie who's really trying to help you know yeah that sort of stuff and i'm really happy we're finally getting it now that's all i have to say yeah <laughs> it's been a long time coming archie the <laughs> ally we 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 love it <laughs> his reactions in like not just like how Archie reacts on paper, but KJ's reactions are so good. You can tell that this is like a much better role for KJ Appa. He's like, I feel like almost everyone is having so much more fun this season than we've ever seen them have. Yeah, like look at Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse is like bouncing off the walls in his time scene. of his life. I feel time like, of his life. I feel yeah. like even Camilla is having fun doing her best Nicole Kidman. Well, that was so <laughs> funny and such a, that was such, that was very funny, right? It was like, I was thinking, it kept going on. I was like, oh, like half the episode is making fun of an AMC act. Well, this is something, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that AMC ad, it was a very funny thing that happened. It's very camp. Uh, it, it spoke very much to the moment of, 2020 2021 for mm -hmm. sure <laughs> but that being said i have seen a lot of social media from my pals specifically in la who mm -hmm. are obsessed and it's become part of the cultural firmament for them so i was not surprised to see it pop up in a show that is written in la and what i will say too is that i uh really since the pandemic only go to alamo for things like oh I'm just like, yeah i'm done with everything else i have never seen that amc ad movie in a theater but nicole kidman is my favorite actress of all time i think so wow in recent years i've really come in strong on nicole kidman why i want to hear why i like nicole kidman no dissing your opinion i feel I'm like just... she did like three or four really good things in a row uh-huh yeah that just like, and I, it really all came together, I think, in season two of Top of the Lake, mm. which I know one, maybe two other people that watched <laughs> season two of it, not season one. Very few people watched season one, but season two. And it was like that next to uh, Big Little Lies and The Undoing, where it was like, and she was in the first Paddington. Um, That's right. She is in the first Paddington. Yes. Yeah. There was a really good during The Undoing, Lauren Lapkus posted a picture of how the Paddington one villain was Nicole Kidman and the Paddington two villain was Hugh Grant, which means that maybe it was Paddington who did the murder. 
<laughs> but she did like a couple really good projects in a row where she showed like a lot of like they were all like award worthy because she's gotten awards but I feel like she's a little up and down and then she just like really hit her stride recently and we've recently also seen older women like finally getting their due in Hollywood yeah at least at least getting to play roles oh my god yeah. it's long time coming yeah and absolutely she's, she's taken advantage of that in a way that I think some like I feel like this past year the award seasons were going to so many older women that I think it'll make a difference but like it feels like for a while it's been kind of coming and people have been more open to it but there's still people who were like keeping it at arm's length yeah like an older woman would get a role and be like okay this is it though like I gotta really do this one because they're not more coming and Nicole was like there's more coming let's go baby yeah yeah so that's those are all good reasons. That's great. Great. I'll forgive her for her role as Dr. Chase Meridian in Batman Forever. <laughs> Where she is not very good. However, she wasn't dealing with a very good script in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a very good script. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're into it now. We've really done our nicole kidman analysis which we you know it's important for this episode for yeah, sure people need to know what we think of nicole kidman so overall you know like what did you think of this episode other than the like very blatant nicole kidman reference i first of all did not dislike the very blatant nicole kidman reference oh oh, oh yeah neither did i i loved it i thought it was great yeah <laughs> very into I, it i feel like everything that went in this episode was like kind of disjointed but I liked enough. I weirdly, like, didn't... I wanted to like Betty's storyline more. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that was the weakest it was. element. Yeah. And because, like... And I feel like they were also different. Like, the Veronica one was, like, so funny. But, like, really well done. And then the Archie-Kevin one was, like, kind of sad and dark. But Archie was, like, injecting this goofy to it that, like... I kind of added... Like, it didn't take away in any way. I thought... I thought really, um... Uh, very touching overall, the Archie mm-hmm. Kevin yeah. storyline. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Say, yeah, go for Maddie it. Sorry, Keller's performance in the final minute of this episode is the best performance I've seen on this series at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, oh, I feel like he handled it very well. Mm-hmm. I feel like he seemed he really covered like just emotionally on his face that like this is his son and he really loves him but he's really struggling with what's going on yeah yeah and i felt like it's it's not that people on the show aren't good actors it's that they just like haven't been given things well we've said that all along yeah the casting is pretty tight on this show yeah Yeah, and he was finally like given something Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. he did he really like leaned into it yeah, that might be his fine. It's certainly his finest moment in the entire series. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's better than most people's on like even long term cast. I feel like he did. He got away with a lot in that, like in that not scene. Got away with, but yeah, not that he got away with it, but that he was able to show a lot of range in a way that was identifiable mm-hmm. for all of us. Yeah, yeah, and in a way that most of them have not been able to even try to do on the show. Well. This is where the heart of this season is, is Mm -hmm. there's all this stuff that is very fun and you can tell the writers and the cast are enjoying like the comic book plot line and the murder and a lot of the tropes of the 50s. Like you can tell that they really wanted to write something set at a dance show. 
-hmm. But the heart of this season is the queer journeys of the characters. This is absolutely the queerest the show has ever been. Mm -hmm. And it feels uh, not in a way that feels preachy, but it feels like it is a real statement where they're trying to give agency to these experiences of these characters. And Mm -hmm. I definitely think it has to do with what's going on uh, politically. And, you know, that they're trying to be like, they're really doubling down and, and trying to be like, you know, uh, this is the experience of of these sorts of marginalized peoples, and like, why would why would any of us want to treat them like that? Which is I great. It speaks to, I mean, the attitude's always there, but like, I wish I could go back to like simpler, better times, and this like pointing out like, hey, it's not better. Like, it's not. It's only better for some people. For most people, like, it's not. And I think that is actually something they're trying to prove as well. Yeah. Is if this time period should be better for anybody, it should be better for Archie. Mm-hmm. And Archie's, you know, having his own struggles this season, which I think is is really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not it's not easier for him. It's not easier for Veronica. It's certainly Betty's having an awful time, which is yeah. very smart. I think it's a really good portrayal of a, just a young woman who wants to express herself, and yeah. everybody's treating her very badly. Mm-hmm. um poor betty you know definitely yeah. and i think it helps for her this season with betty too because so few people see that character as marginalized well like, in in previous seasons i would argue well not even in the not necessarily oh, in the or, context of the show but just like overall like if we consider betty straight because that's kind of up if like up in the air just like a straight white woman like no the 50s sucked for them too oh absolutely and if you read old school archie comics from the 50s the way Betty and Veronica are written, it marginalizes the needs of the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they're period pieces. They're not to be read at this point in time. Like, they're not, it's not very fun to, you know. Some yeah. of them are fun because it's some good cartooning in there. I'm not going to be like, never, we shall, shall never look at them again. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But that being said, like, you know, they're the characters are written in a way that's does doesn't do right by them at all, and uh, we're seeing a we're seeing a, these sides of them in this season that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, big big quibble that I have. Yeah. How the fuck does Alice Cooper? Call, yeah, call have, have... <laughs> Miami Lodge, please. Take me I, through. Wrote, I wrote Mrs. Cooper called Hollywood, California. Yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood, USA. Get me Hollywood on the horn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like, and it's like, Orson Welles answers. He's like, oh, well, you got the wrong Hollywood, but I'll connect you over. Like, <laughs> it's just like, he just was covering the hour, the phone from the hours of three to four. It's his shift. Yeah, it's his Hollywood phone shift. There's only one phone in Hollywood. There is. There's only one phone in Hollywood. That's how Hollywood works. Yeah. <laughs> so, then we get into i think this is the problem that you had with betty's storyline here mm-hmm. is that riverdale grandstand is used as a punishment for betty and that takes actually a lot of the fun out of the set piece of a dance show in the context of of, of the script like mm-hmm. So let's compare this to the most famous piece of media that is about a dance show, which is Hairspray, right? Mm -hmm. 
So for those of you that haven't seen the 70 different iterations of Hairspray that now exist in the world, the basic story is that it's about a, a young a girl, a teenage girl who's a little on the bigger side who really wants to be on the dance, on this, you know, uh, local dance show. And then she, um, her parents do not want her to be doing it. And because it, it feels, you know, somewhat, it's racy. There's like a raciness to it. It's a little, there's a little bit of a sexiness to it. Her parents don't want her doing it. But she auditions anyway. She gets onto the dance show. She becomes very popular. She overcomes the adversity of being a, a bigger girl uh, in order to dance on the show. And then she empathizes with people of color that are not allowed on the show. And then the rest of the movie is about uh, the struggle to racially integrate the show. Mm-hmm. So it deals with some really interesting dynamics within the context of this like kind of silly piece of you know 1960s you know, local TV. So here we've got <laughs> Riverdale Bandstand, which is the local 1950s Riverdale sh- dance show. And it's hosted by this. Uh, I'm thinking through this while I talk about this. This is what I think I actually didn't like about it. So it's hosted by Alice and Hal and oh their real, you know, geeko 1950s like hosts. But then the dances that the kids are doing are like a little more rock and roll oriented and a little more modern. And it's like, if it really was supposed to be a square dance show, they should have been doing like the bunny hop and other types of dances that were very, very straight and narrow at the time. Because there's, you know thing that was so threatening about rock and roll in the 50s was that it was quote unquote race music right it was music that was popularized by black people and white kids were listening to it and that was really threatening to the social order like that was the real deal so to see all these kids dancing to these songs that like would have been considered slightly risque rock and roll in the 50s and hal and uh alice being so into it it didn't work for me yeah that didn't and then i think too that like in like i get why they wanted to do a storyline with betty fighting against her parents in this way but it felt like they also just were like we want to fit the dance show in here somewhere and then someone was like oh i guess we should just do it now and then they tried to like paste it over it and it just didn't it did feel like like it was inserted in, like this yeah. is what's happening. And I understand their want to do a dance show because the set was great. Watching yeah. all the kids dance was great, you know? Yeah. But yeah, dramatically it didn't totally read, right? Yeah, also I felt like the thing with Dilton when you see, you know, they were able to slow down the footage to see the second his heart breaks, like Ralph Wiggum. Like, what was that? Why did they do that? Yeah, is Dilton in love with Betty? I'm like, because we haven't heard anything about that. What does this mean for the show? Like, why do we suddenly have this? Like, what is going on? Yeah, that is that was odd that they were highlighting this and like just the whole usage of Dilton being like, we can dance with Dilton and Betty being like, ew, (laughs) it's not nice. Be nice to Dilton. In the next episode, Dilton's gonna give her a Valentine that says, I choo choo choose you. Like, that's how that felt. Like, (laughs) totally. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe no. Dilton isn't the milkman because we've seen the milkman now. now. Yeah, and it's an actor we've never seen. Correct? No, I don't think so. Okay, so good. It wasn't like it was like me not recognizing that that milkman is actually Pips Ambrose from three I, seasons ago. <laughs> on that note, I wrote. Have we, who was? I watched that episode a few days ago. Who or was Troy? Ambrose Pips. Ambrose Pips is the name of that character. Yeah. I, my who apologies. Was, who was Troy and have we seen him before? We have not seen Troy before. Okay. What a sleaze. Get your hands out of there, Troy. Get out of there. <laughs> I want to talk quick about um, Frank's mustache. <laughs> Please. So we see, I mean, back to Ted Lasso, if you watch like, Nate's transformation from like good guy to bad, his hair got grayer the whole time. Uh-huh. Frank's mustache is like slowly turning more dastardly. Like it's gone from like normal to like slowly creeping out into a way where he's like about to tie a woman to the train tracks. <laughs> For sure. But like isn't quite there yet. And I don't know if it's on purpose, but like it's working. Uh yeah. I think that that is a good analogy. I also would feel remiss if I didn't Give a shout out to my uh, thick boy, Wario. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> He's got a little bit of a Wario thing going on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of our listeners who don't know who Wario is, um, where have you been the last 20 years? Yeah, no, we're not explaining Wario. We're not explaining Wario to you. <laughs> Do it. Google it. Tweet at us once you've figured out who Wario is. Yeah. Yeah, we want everyone to sound off in the comments that you know who Wario, Wario is. is. We need you to we need to know <laughs> that you know who Wario is. But we don't want to hear anything about Waluigi. Nothing. If you mention Waluigi, you are banned. Blocked. I know. He is <laughs> he's too much for us. We're not Waluigi fans here. He's too passionate, Waluigi. He's just too passionate. It's giving Luigi too much agency to have a Waluigi. That's true. Luigi needs to know his place. <laughs> so Kevin is caught with Kevin is caught with a bodybuilding pictorial. Yeah. Pictorial. These magazines in the 50s, these bodybuilding magazines, uh, these physical, the male pictorials were designed so that a gay person could have them and conceivably could stay in the closet and just be like this is you know for working out mm -hmm. but uh tom keller sees through it right away yeah <laughs> which is a shame because kevin was trying his best mm -hmm. just just thought that was kind of interesting um what else do I have about this this episode here? Okay, I so, have, yes. I don't know who said it or why and what context, but someone said you and me have been in the same grade since kindergarten. It was is, uh, uh, Archie with Kevin. Okay, that's yeah. an insane thing to say because if you were in kindergarten together, then yeah, you are in the same grade because you're the same age. The same class, maybe that's interesting, but the same grade since kindergarten? No shit. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Once again, Archie can't count yep. or do things. You dope. <laughs> Archie, you dope. No, I, we love Archie this season. We love him. Yeah. Fun reference I want to bring up. Mm -hmm. um, so this character who runs the movie theater, this nice older yeah. dude, Mr. Lemley. Uh -huh. 
I do feel like it, it feels close to me to so producer. He was a producer at Warner Brothers in the fifties, Carl Lamal. Uh-huh. I feel like it's close enough that that's probably who they're referencing there. Uh, thought that was really fun. Uh, <laughs> it's so nice that Clay works at this theater. Clay's great. Clay's we, great. We love Clay. It's it's interesting to bring up Clay in a 1950s context. I like that Clay name drops a 50s black filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I want to look up right now. Hey, we have the time. When did when does when did Guess Who's Coming to Dinner come out? Because sixty seven. Whoa, that's like yeah. Because I was like, oh, wasn't um, Sidney Poitier doing interesting work in the fifties? But no, it was too early. Movies were still very segregated, and black mm-hmm. people were not getting cool roles. So mm-hmm. he is being portrayed as a real, uh, you know. Um, a real groundbreaker here, uh, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Love it. Love love that for Clay. Um, yes. Okay. Something else about the queer plot line here that I thought was beautiful and very well written, especially for Riverdale, the way that Kevin with Archie, when they were having this discussion, about I think when Archie did his grade faux pas about <laughs> Kevin is forced to speak an analogy, which I think is very cool. Kevin isn't allowed to say to Archie, well, you know, I think it's because I like, you know, boys, not that he would come okay. out to Archie at that time in that way anyway, but more how he says, my dad is worried about me because I believe he says, because I like theater and because I like, art and poetry or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Archie says, this is good writing here because they foreshadowed this. Archie says, well, I like those things too. And it's like, yeah, Archie actually already wrote a poem this season. Yeah. So this is actually not written like a shit show for once in the series. And it's beautiful. And it's very much about how queer people use language to express themselves in a way that's safe for them. I thought it was very cool. Yeah. I think yeah. it's also just we've brought up the writer's strike before but that ab- <laughs> yeah the ability to have a through line like that that goes episode to episode is one of the things the writer's strike is asking for because of how many rooms are run yes talk about that that's interesting so, yeah so a mini room is where a group of writers are asked to come in and they break the story for a season so this would be them sitting down and saying like we're going to have these people in a relationship. They're going to break up at this point in the season, blah, blah, blah. But then instead of having people, usually like someone takes on an episode and writes it alone. And then they come back to their writer's room and everyone like kind of contributes and punches up and looks for continuity. Yeah. They just send people on their own. They don't pay them for the time writing the script once they've sent them home. Yeah. And there's no continuity checks. So people have to keep everything surface or just have chaos. Mm-hmm. And this is something. So this some is something that could not have happened with a mini writers room. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so yeah. This is why we should have full writers rooms and pay our writers properly. Yes. And that's what the WGA is currently fighting for. Yep. Very well. Thank you for explaining that. 
I'm just looking up here. Oh, I am wrong. Okay, so. They say, during this episode, your X-rated dance mm-hmm. to Betty. And I said X-rating did not exist in 1955. I am wrong. The X-rating has existed since 1951. Oh. So they would know the what an X-rating is. the greater rating system is later. The, like, P versus PG, PG-13 thing. Um, that might be later. Yeah, yeah. Especially well, because Greece was PG. Well, that that those were the things that led to PG thirteen being a rating because they realized yeah. they needed an, another one. Right. It's actually the movie Gremlins, which really solidified it. Gremlins got rated PG, and there was an uproar. But it was like, mm-hmm. but it's actually not an R. So yeah. PG thirteen was created. Uh, I'm gonna look it up right now, Louis the historian. When did the MPAA rating system start? And it started in. Okay, yeah, you're right. So. 1968 mm-hmm. was when the ratings really uh, were solidified by the end. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Interesting. It feels like X-rated was everything was either porn or not. Yeah, X-rated was like, hey, <laughs> this is a stag film that plays in Times Square. Yeah. The end. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were referencing to in this episode was that line. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah. So... I- Oh, yes, go for it. Oh, I, yes. was, I was going to move on and say I really like that the dance is the twirl and they act like it's something new. <laughs> Let's all do the twirl. Let's watch her demonstrate spinning in place. <laughs> yeah. And then shock of shocks, you could see her underwear. Yeah. Oh, everybody hated it. Uh, so Super Duck. <laughs> Super Duck is a uh, Archie character. Uh you know, more specifically MLJ comics. That's what they were called before they were Archie and was a um, humor book uh, with a, with a cute, funny duck. I've never read any super duck uh, liked that. He was referenced here though. I thought that was really fun. I like when they bring in sort of the weird, like tertiary Archie characters, like how I believe last season, one of the characters had a Cosmo, the Mary Martian tattoo. Mm-hmm. Remember that I, I was, yeah. I was all, was all on that talked about that a lot anyway i kind of forgot jughead was in this episode (laughs) well i think it's because this is the manufactured drama here is the last episode of jughead stealing the manuscripts you know what i mean and then like this is that that thing is done now and now jughead and uh brad rayberry brad (laughs) jughead and brad brad is jughead's you know, mentor figure and it's all good and great. And I mean, the only reason why I didn't forget that Jughead was in this episode sort of doing his own thing is because of how puppy dog like uh, Cole played him and how much fun Cole is having like Mm -hmm. that scene in pops where Jughead's like chatting with him and is like eating a burger and just having such a nice time. (laughs) This is the Jughead I've been waiting to see for seven years. Very much like the Archie I've been waiting to see. Um, Twyla Twist. We, she was around before, right? Yeah, she's not new. Who is she in real Riverdale? In Riverdale 23. She's not a sex worker, is she? No, she's 
one of two people, I don't remember which. There was the woman from Greendale who was like a baddie who had like was like against the serpents. Yes. It mu- or it was she had something to do with the Dickenses because I remember there was like a whole like Charles Dickens Oliver Twist thing going on. That's for a who it is. Yes, yeah. because her last name is Twist. It's Twist, yeah. That's who she is. Yes, she's one of that evil, the evil family. Yeah. Yes, that were like foils for Archie. Mm-hmm. And they, and they were had, a criminal family. Yeah, they all had Charles Dickens names. That's right. They all had Charles Dickens names. One of them was named Christmas Future. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was the ghost of Christmas Way Future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, ghost of Christmas Heat Death Future. <laughs> heat Death of the Universe Future. Um, <laughs> Do you want to go auction things off at Crestbees? Of course I want to go auction things off at of Crestbees because this podcast was brought to you by Crestbees. Crestbees, if you need to auction off a painting, Crestbees is the way to go. Crestbees. We're happily sponsored by Crestbees. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty pumped for Veronica to be a movie theater owner. Yeah. That's so fun. So fun. I, I want to work for Veronica at her movie theater. I want that to be my next job. I think it's really fun that Smithers took di- dictation without writing anything down. <laughs> Smithers just remembers. He's it's just, just in his it little all. head. He's well, got it all. It was also, it was a, uh, it was a, a telegram. So it was like, mom and dad, I hate you. Stop. <laughs> I bought the movie theater. Stop. My regards to Orson Welles. Mic drop. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> it was like, but when she started, it was like, I, don't know, I just felt like he should have taken taken note on it. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> really caught up in that, you know. Um, something else about the uh the the dance show. Mm-hmm. We got another great moment to see Archie dance, although yes. the camera cut away very fast. Yeah. That KJ, he's so charming. But then, like, this was another thing that was so awesome in KJ's performance. There was a shot when Betty was twirling where it felt like KJ's eyes were literally going to fly out of his head like he was a Tex Avery cartoon. (laughs) And he just played it so well. (laughs) He had the awooga sound effect, but his eyes did not actually pop out of his head. You mean the Awuga sound effect in the in the Tales from the Crypt episode? Tales. Oh of no, Jack I meant in this episode. I was telling a little joke about how oh. they used the Awuga sound. Got it. <laughs> they should have had an Awuga sound effect when yeah. that happened. That would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Something did happen that felt like something was cut or was missing, where Cheryl says something quite mean to Betty about her twirling. And I didn't understand why Cheryl hated it so much when Cheryl's trying to hide her, her beginnings of her relationship with like, do you think that was Cheryl trying to deflect maybe, or maybe are you talking about like towards the end of the episode? Yeah. Cheryl said something mean to Betty and I was like, wait, what, where's this coming from? But yeah, maybe 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 it can be read as a deflection. I think a deflection, or that like if something happens to this show, she's gonna have like a lot more because like this seems to be like a really like steady good thing for her. Yeah. Like, as long as this is working, everything else goes. But if this goes away, now she has like 
so much more to deal with. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or so, bad writing. Or bad writing. Uh, Milkman. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw his face. He's a new guy, right? I think. This isn't someone we've seen in the past okay so milkman it's a real wild card who's the milkman and what's happening with yeah. this milkman so it, this milkman's gonna kill brad rayberry right yeah i hate it yeah i love brad rayberry he's my favorite sci-fi author he's my favorite sci-fi author and he just got his due from pep comics and now he's gonna get killed yeah very sad <laughs> Well, that's the end of my notes. Yep, that's all I got. Great. <laughs> Who's on your power list? I only have one person for this episode. I only have two. Okay, who is on yours? I have Betty and Veronica. Oh, B and V, the classic pair. Mm -hmm. I have Dr. Werther's. Okay. <laughs> so we just sucks. focus on different plot lines. Different things. <laughs> who is on your crush list? I only have Veronica because I did it today and I should have done it when I watched the episode. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just off the top of my head say Betty. I'm going to throw uh, Troy in. Yeah. Not really? Troy, not Troy. Clay. Yes, Clay. <laughs> yeah. No, no Troy. No Troy. Troy, the sex pest. Get him out of here. Absolutely You're canceled, Troy. Clay. Biggest yeah. apologies to Clay. I'm, I'm going to say Betty for my crush list. I'm going to give, uh, sure, I'm going to give Jughead a little bit of love and... The my final crush of of the episode, you can't be too mad at me, Waluigi. <laughs> I briefly considered slamming my laptop shut because I thought it'd be really funny, but then we'd have to like rehook everything up. And, yeah, like, explain what I did. Yeah, you'd hang up on me. <laughs> like a whole thing, but like. But I'm just gonna imagine that that's what you did. Yeah. I know, real provocative choice for me. It, I mean, what a twist. What a, what a Twyla twist. What a Twyla twist. <laughs> so what do we have on tap for next week here? 125 Hoop Dreams. Oh, <laughs> named after the uh, uh, Academy Award winning documentary from the 90s. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll be very focused on basketball. I just saw a new basketball documentary on Friday that was not as good as Hoop Dreams. But... A new basketball documentary? A new one. But it I was thought you said basketball. a nude basketball documentary. Scandalous. Wow. Yes. Kate, you're watching nudist films? That seems like a nightmare to have nothing taped down while playing basketball. Yeah, it feels like it would be a real injury-focused <laughs> thing. Well, Kate currently is dealing with asthma and i have a head cold <laughs> so it might be time for us to wrap this up this very straight ahead well uh organized episode of xoxo riverdale streets ahead streets ahead streets ahead <laughs> uh thanks to our editor angeli mercado and our theme songwriter, Louis Aronowitz. You guys are the toppermost of the poppermost, and we'd ask both of you to dance if we were on a dance show. I mean, we're going to ask anyway, but we can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to everybody that's been listening. Special shout out once again to Lindsay. Thanks for that dialogue we had. It was quite interesting uh, this week. Super, super fun. And uh, we can't wait to keep going Hopefully this writer's strike will be resolved soon so this doesn't end up being a nine-year project for us. Seven Ugh. years is enough. Ugh. 
<laughs> well, that being said, I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. Bye. <laughs>